All right, we're going to jump into a message that's a single message, not a series, a one-shot deal. It's called Get Started. It's one of those that gets us ready for a new year. But hopefully, this message has a little bit of a different feel to it, because if you're like me, and I don't know that you are, uh, you have a resistance to New Year's resolutions. Um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I mean, it's kind of bad when, you know, you're supposed to stand up before the new year and kind of motivate people to make these big changes, and I'm like, myself, you know. And what I've discovered, though, is a lot of people feel that way. And uh, I don't know if you do. Uh, let me just kind of check it out here a little bit. Um, don't feel bad either way, holding your hands down or lifting your hand up. It's, if you have already articulated a New Year's resolution to somebody or written it down, raise your hand up. Okay, so see, some of you are resisting. We've got a banner year coming up with five of us making big changes. So, ah, all right. Now, um, that's what I've noticed as kind of a trend, and I think there's a reason for that, and that's why this, even this graphic is there to kind of get us thinking, because a lot of New Year's resolution, we get started on stuff, we resolve to do things, but we haven't really figured out how to hit the power button to really tap into something outside of ourselves to make it really happen, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. So just to have fun a little bit, here are some statements about New Year's resolutions, is this you? I can't believe that it has been a whole year already since I didn't become a better person. <laughs> you know? I'm going to work out every day, or at least briefly consider it. <laughs> you know, th those are the kinds of resolutions I'm into. Or one person wrote, this year I want to be certain that I succeed in at least one resolution, so I have only made three resolutions this year. One, pay off all my debts. Two, train and run a marathon. Three, gain weight. At least this way, you know you can accomplish one of them, right? Now, why is it, here's a question on the screen, why is it that many people do not set resolutions anymore? Is it the fear of failing that causes us to not begin? I mean, I, internally I want to say, nah, that's not it, couldn't be it. It's not the fear of failure. I mean, every day is a new day. Why do we have to wait for a calendar flip to do something about it? But I resist. And the reality is, I think people are experiencing failure after failure after failure, and pretty soon, no more New Year's resolution. According to one statistic I found on the internet, you know how that reliable that is. So anyway, 80% <laughs> of the people who make New Year's resolutions fail by February. Ooh. And only 8% of the people who make New Year's resolutions consider themselves successful at those resolutions they've made. So if that is an accurate average or statistic, you could say, oh, yeah, I get it. We kind of do resist trying something new because we failed and we failed and we failed. But here's kind of what's interesting about that, and this is the focus today, our focus reads this way, we can never finish the things we never started. <laughs> so if you want to be the same as you are right now for the rest of your life, right, then we won't be thinking about New Year's resolutions, we won't be thinking about change. In fact, we're starting to get cynical, even the idea of change. 
We start to feel like, change? Nah. I don't think it's even possible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, here's where I got to weigh in as a preacher. Yes, it is. Okay, otherwise, why am I up here, right? Change is possible. The gospel good news is that you have hope. You have power. You can figure out how to push the power button, and now change is possible. What I hope to do in this series, not this, this message, because it's a one-time message. It didn't give you a hand up. This is a paperless Sunday. So somebody said, you mean we have to listen? So it's <laughs> the only way you're going to get anything out of it. So here we go. Without paper, we're going to be talking about some important stuff. On the screen, here's another thought. What is always true is that the decisions we make today determine the story of our life tomorrow. Okay, so if we're resisting, and I have admitted to you up front, I tend to resist New Year's resolutions. But I've been doing some reading, I've been doing some studying, I've been preparing for this message, and I'm thinking, oh, man, wait a minute. We can't resist change. We can't resist setting a course because the decisions we make today create the story of our life tomorrow. And what story do I want to tell? So do I want to be like that guy that a year from now says, man, it's already a year and nothing happened, or only bad things happened? Because the decisions that I make, the resolutions that I make, let's just, maybe you don't need to call them resolutions. Let's get started. Here's my hope for today. My hope for today is that we will learn from one life, from the life of Moses, who God prodded to get started on something. And we're going to enter into this dialogue between God and Moses and identify with that dialogue. Some of you think, you've got to be kidding me. You're like, you're like compare us to Moses? I think, I think, although he was an extraordinary character, all of a sudden he becomes very human in our thinking as we look at how he resisted the prodding of God to get started. Now, some of you are going to hate me for this message because here's what's going to happen. As we keep going with the message today, I am hoping, I've been praying that God will start prodding you to get started. But I don't know what it is he's going to be prodding you to start. So when you start to feel that prod, I'm hoping it's from the Spirit of God. And when you start to feel, oh, wow, maybe I should, okay, I'm hoping that you actually begin to not only feel a prodding, but feel empowered and feel hopeful, even to the degree that maybe I will decide something right now so that as my story moves along, by this time next year, this time three years from now, this time five years from now, I can actually tell a story that is amazing because the decisions that are made are going to change my story. I well, didn't do this in first service. Somebody handed me, just between services, a two-year chip. And it is quite an honor to receive this two-year chip to say, this church, without this church, I could have never done this. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. We tend to think that Making a big decision changes our life. We want to be like Moses, make a difference. And some of us, uh, now in our 50s, we 
think differently than that. We recognize that some of the littler decisions all along the way have a bigger implication for a changed life than that big resolution that I'm thinking of. The littler things, the daily things that set the direction of our life. Now, we're going to begin with almost a eulogy of Moses. It's looking back at his life. It's written in the New Testament, and I want to do this on purpose. So Hebrews 11 is where we're going to start. Then we're going to be in Exodus, but the main passage is Exodus. But here's what the writer to the Hebrews, who's anonymous, uh, wrote about Moses describing his faith. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, actually, he wasn't the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was born a slave. But he was born a slave in Egypt at a time when all the Hebrew people were slaves. They had been slaves for 400 years, as predicted by God. And all those pyramids and all the structures of this massive civilization were grunt labor work of the Hebrew slaves. But Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, was beginning to feel threatened by the Hebrew population. Their slave population had now grown to two million people. And he was worried that if an army came against him, the slaves would revolt. And these slaves were burly with all the work they were doing. They would revolt and join the enemy and there would be a revolution. So he issued an edict to begin killing off the male children, and that's the time frame that Moses was born. His parents tried to get ahead of Pharaoh and put Moses in a basket, tarred the basket so that it would float in the Nile River, sent it down the river, and as God oversaw this thing, a princess was bathing in the river, saw a beautiful child, lifted the child out, and raised Moses as her own. But as we look back at his life, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. It's interesting, a New Testament writer, looking back at Moses' life, describes Moses' faith as centered on Christ. We always think of Christ as coming at Christmas, 1,500 years after Moses, but the New Testament writers, all of them agree, Jesus Christ is one with God. He's been with God from the beginning. He became flesh at Christmas. And when Moses was worshiping God and God would manifest, the New Testament writer says, this is a faith in Christ that he was demonstrating. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Here's what I want us to focus on. Highlighted this phrase. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, this was not written about Moses at the beginning of his life. This is written about Moses after his life is over, after he learned how to do this, because Moses, just like you and I, had a great deal of trouble getting started he didn't get started with God until he was 80, okay? Before that time, he argues with God. He won't start what he needs to start in the right way. Actually, when he was 40, he did start in the way most of us make New Year's resolutions. He saw a slave uh, 
master fighting with a slave, Moses being raised and educated as a princely ruler, decided to weigh in on it because he identified with the Hebrew slaves. And he's entered into it in such a way, I don't think he went and meant for it to go this way. He eventually, I mean, he's skilled in combat and everything else. He killed the slave master. And in a sense, decided to start a revolution. But shortly thereafter, two Hebrews, two Hebrew slaves are fighting, and he tries to weigh in to, hey, brothers, brothers, don't fight against each other, and they turn on him. What are you going to do, kill one of us too? And now he knows. The story is out. And then he hides in the wilderness. He leaves Egypt. He is afraid for his life because he'll be identified as a revolutionary who's overthrowing Egypt and identifying with the slaves. He hides in the Midian wilderness for the next 40 years. It's at the age of 80 that we now are going to identify with Moses because at the age of 80, God prods him to get started with him instead of getting started without him. And that's where we're going to start to identify with Moses. Now, on the screen is a little statement about decisions. It is the small choices no one sees that result in the big impact everyone wants. It is the small choices no one sees that results in the big impact everyone wants. A member of our church uh, very recently was uh, just articulating how she was so excited that she was just about to finish her 10th cycle of reading through the Bible every year. She was describing that in 2008, in this church, when I preached a message kind of like this one, the title was, such a clever one. The title was, How to Make 2008 Great. Okay? But she took that message about how Jesus spent time in the quietness apart from the crowd where nobody was watching and spent time with his father, made it a habit to pray and gain perspective. She made a choice at that point in 2008 to begin a personal time with God every day. She was rejoicing over, now she was finishing her 10th cycle of reading through the Bible, and she said, in the midst of a few of us, it revolutionized my life. It's in the small choices no one sees that result in the big impact everyone wants. I'm trying to introduce new prayers into my life. I get stuck in the same ruts, praying the same words, the same angles, the same things, and I'm I recognize my prayer life needs to expand. I'm going to share some of that in the next year in a series coming up. But I've been praying a prayer that I'm going to talk about briefly, and then we're going to conclude with making it part of our prayer, where we literally recognize that when we make these decisions, when we're trying to move forward in our life, let's back up to that Hebrews 11 passage for a second. We move forward in our life. We need to develop the habit that Moses had. He was looking ahead. So pause right now. I want you to look ahead to the last Sunday in 2018. 
by faith. Imagine yourself sitting here a year from now. What story do you hope will have happened as you, by faith, look forward? And that's something that takes faith to do. Moses learned how to look ahead. Fast forward your life to a year from now. What would you like to be different about you? Maybe if you're single, you know, your eligibility, your becoming a better catch, you're finding a person that's the kind of person you want to be and you actually become the kind of person that you want to catch, right? That kind of thing. Or you're married, you want to be the kind of husband that your wife falls in love with again. You want to be the kind of father where the children look up to you, want to become like you, whatever that is. And that probably is bigger than a one-year story. But whatever story you want begins today. The biggest decision, the most important decision that you're going to make, is not the big one. Let me think of the big decision, the really big one. No, 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 no. The most important decision that you're going to make right now is your next one, your next decision. Because it's not your intentions it's the actual decision that sets a direction of where you're going. You can have good intentions. I'm going to be this best husband. I'm going, to be, I'm going to finally do this and finally do that. Great intentions, great heart. But if you don't make the next decision, you're going to continue on the path that you are. And your story will go by this year. And a year from now, you'll be in the same place you were with the good intentions, but no movement, no direction. So what decision is the next decision for you? Looking ahead in faith is going to help that. But we've got to do one more thing, push the power button so that we're making a decision. And it isn't just our power. We're doing this thing with God. Now, I started all that with this new prayer that I've been praying. This new prayer <clears throat> that I've been praying, I literally read it because it's worded well and I keep falling into my own wording. And it goes something like this. Lord, you deserve to be honored in my life. Because really, it's not about me. It's about you. You are the hero of my story. I didn't look at my life that way. I always made New Year's resolution where I'm the center of my story. I'm the hero of my story. I want to picture myself getting to a certain place in my story where I, I become better and better and the hero in the family and the hero in the marriage and the hero. Wait, 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 wait. There's the problem. God is the author, and if we're busy trying to author our own story, our own lives, we're missing the power because the hero of our story and the hero of Moses' story is God himself. As soon as Moses begins to listen to God and trust that God knows and God is the hero of his story, that's when everything changes. Pushing the power button. Okay? Let's move forward two slides because I lost where I am. All right, all right. I want to start with this verse. It's a weird one, but it's a verse that convinces me that Moses got to a place in his life wandering around for 40 years as a shepherd when he had such a great education as wasted. He's wandering around in Midian as a shepherd after that failed attempt to start something. Here's how I know that he really felt like he was a nobody. 
Because look at what he names his kid. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Moses has some identity issues here. I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Now, I relate to this in a very personal way because I grew up as a foreigner in a foreign land. My dad was a missionary to Japan. I don't know if you notice this, but in Japan, most everybody has black hair. <coughs> Maybe you would have a hard time believing this, but I used to have very blonde hair. And I used to ride the public transit, back and forth to school, and they would think, assume, because I'm a blonde-headed kid, that I couldn't understand Japanese, but I grew up in Japan, I understand exactly what they're saying. They would point to me and say, gaijin da, gaijin da, gaijin da, foreigner, foreigner, foreigner. Some of them are very bold. They come up to me, and then once I figured out that I spoke Japanese, can I touch your hair? It's okay. You know, it's like where we lived at that time, it's like they didn't see blonde anywhere. It's like, whoa, wow, whatever. Can you imagine feeling like a foreigner, growing up feeling like I don't fit, and then my son is born, and I name my son Gaijin? Foreigner. Moses has got an issue going on. Part of me says, this is not a good thing. He's struggling. And then part of me says, later he learns. This is a very good thing. The not a good thing part is, I don't know who I am. I'm, I've been raised a prince. Now I'm a shepherd. I can't use any of my skills. I'm a nobody out here. I name my kid Gershom. There's a problem. But on the other hand, he's living like a foreigner, which is a good thing because we've been asked to live like citizens of another place. We need to live like a foreigner here instead of, like they totally fit. We're just like everybody around us. No, 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 no. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need to live like a foreigner in a foreign land. But Moses had to learn some things before this becomes positive. He hasn't learned them yet. If you want to grab your Bible um, in the chair in front of you, we're going to be jumping into the passage in Exodus where this is described, this dialogue. It's a large section of scripture. We're going to jump around. If you do not have a Bible and you want to read this section, take this Bible with you. We'd love for you to have a Bible. And put your name in it, because it looks like all these other ones, when you can bring it back and make it yours. Okay? Now, you don't have a piece of paper, so you don't take notes or whatever, but here's the first point I want us to get at. Number one, God does amazing things with a nobody. Here's where I relate with Moses. You do too. He's feeling like a nobody. And I want to put this together with three statements from Henrietta Mears. And she puts it this way. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. Those first 40 years as a prince, powerful, trained. He gets started. He's going to do something. Massive failure. Then he spends the next 40 years learning he's a nobody. Names his kid Gershom. Does, she totally feels out of place. And then now it's at this point that we're entering into a dialogue, this transition between feeling like a nobody and then the next 40 years of his life discovering what God can do with a nobody. I want to know more at this point. What can God do with me? What can God do with a nobody? I'm no Moses, but all of a sudden I'm going to see I felt just like Moses. Okay? So here we go. Point number two. Start where you are. 
start where you are. Moses is wandering around in the wilderness and he sees a light off on the hillside and he looks and bushes burning and he stares and it doesn't go out and it's not spreading and he walks closer and closer. It's something weird. He's got to figure it out. He gets close enough and all of a sudden God speaks from the bush. Moses knows him by name. Talk about freak you out. Okay? Don't get any closer. Take off your sandals. You're approaching holy ground. He gets into a big discussion about how he's watched the Hebrew people. He is, it's time. He's going to set the people free. And he says to Moses, you're the man. I want to send you back to Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh to set my people free. Moses, of course, is very excited. <laughs> he says, uh, uh, I don't think so. I've already, I'm getting this massive flashback. I feared for my life. I was going to be killed. I killed somebody. I ran, that story's over. No, that's when you started. Now we're ready to start. Get started where you are. Where is he? In the wilderness. Shepherding. Okay? Kind of interesting. Exodus 3.11 is what we read, but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Great question. This is an interesting answer that God gives, the very next verse. Here's his answer. He doesn't really answer directly. God said, I will be with you. So Moses' question is, I'm a nobody. Who am I? Why are you picking me? And God's answer is, <laughs> wrong question. I will be with you. And we're thinking as we listen, great, well, yeah, God did an amazing thing with Moses, and I'm not Moses. I'm a nobody. Moses thought he was a nobody, okay? And if you think God doesn't say this to you, I will be with you. Let's think again, because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you're a disciple. He said to his disciples, go, get started. And then he says this, it's in Matthew, and surely I am with you always. Same answer to us in actually a greater way than with Moses. With Moses, God was with him in a very powerful way. With Christians, we have an advantage Moses didn't have. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, washed away, his righteousness is given to us. We have been made clean in a way that Moses could not be made clean because it was provisional temple system that Jesus fulfilled on the cross. Now, the Bible tells us, we become the temple. Now, because we've been made clean by what Jesus did on the cross, his spirit can enter into us. We can go with God in a way that Moses didn't even know. So rather than think you're a nobody, become a follower of Jesus. You can have advantages that Moses didn't have. Point number three. Use what you have. Now, Despite God's statement, I will be with you, Moses didn't go, okay, in that case, let's go. <laughs> no, he continues to fight back at the prodding of God. It's like, hmm, I don't think so. Two million slaves, Pharaoh is no way going to let them go. There is no way that's going to happen. I don't think so. And they continue in this dialogue. So in Exodus 4, jumping forward in the conversation, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? 
And he replies, a staff. Now this question is a, a good question. Let me just ask this question. Why is Moses carrying a staff? He's a shepherd. This is an ordinary thing in his hand, okay? The point we're trying to get at is use what you have. Moses thought, I'm a nobody. I've got nothing. I used to have an education. I used to have a position. I used to have power. I used to have all kinds of, I could servants and command and this and that. Now I've got nothing. I've just got staff. All this education. For what? And God doesn't ask him about all the other stuff. He said, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. Now, you, you need to read the rest of the story about how God takes an ordinary thing and changes it from, really, a staff to something greater than a scepter. If you read the whole story, Moses consistently uses this staff in a way that God takes an ordinary stick and does supernatural things because Moses is doing this thing with God. Here's my question to you. What do you have in your hand? Moses just had a staff because he was a shepherd. What do you have in your hand? Because we're talking about use what you have. I heard a story about a guy who was challenged by something like this message. What do you got? What skills, what gifts has God given you? He says, I got nothing. Can't do any of that stuff that I see people doing on stage. I can't do any of that stuff. I can't teach. I'm low. Can't do any of that. I, can, I got nothing. The only thing I'm good at is welding. Great. Do the welding. What good is welding in the kingdom? Offer it to God and see what God will do. Well, this guy took a great skill. He was really good at welding. Took a great skill. He began to ask God. And he began to train guys coming out of their incarceration, jobless, training them a life skill, employing them, and revolutionizing life after life after life. All he had was welding. Maybe you can't weld, but you can make a mean lasagna. <laughs> right? What does it, what do I do with the mean lasagna? Pray, ask God, use what you have. I heard a story about a lady who was a good cook, didn't really know her neighbors, heard through a neighbor that another neighbor is struggling, made a mean lasagna, brought it over, blam! Now supernatural things are taking place that's bigger than lasagna, okay? God takes and uses what you have. Point number four, do what you can. Do what you can. Let's read in Exodus, continuing chapter four. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? It's kind of like, I know about your tongue. Better than you do? I'm saying go. Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Some of us feel like, huh, I've got disadvantages. Hello? God knows about your disadvantages. Change your disadvantages into advantages by leaning on God. It is not I 
Is it not I? Good to read that right. The Lord, now go. Now, this is the point where we have to decide if we're going to listen to the prodding of God or not listen to the prodding of God. And Moses is like a little child. And do you sense the tension here? It's like a father saying, go to bed. Go to bed. Have you ever been a father and you've said that? I mean, how many gazillion excuses can they come up with? It's like, uh, let's just kind of put them together. I'm not tired. Could you read me a story? Could I get a drink of water? I, I need a new Band-Aid. Ah, my pajamas are itchy. <laughs> Could you tell me a story? Another story? One more story? I'm scared of the dark. Can I sleep with my fire truck? Uh, can we go to the moon? Uh, Dad, when I'm as old as you are, am I going to like tomatoes? I mean, it, it's everything and everything just all strung together. Eventually, the dad will say, go to bed. Really? Go to bed. He's, I'm not tired. Go to bed. Right? This is how I read what God is doing here. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I'd like to say that Moses got at this point and says, okay, I'll go. But the story continues. He has massive problems with indecision and getting started. I like that because it's real, and I have massive problems there too. Here's a review. This is what we talked about so far. God does amazing things with a nobody. Start where you are. God is with you. Use what you have and do what you can. Remember I told you about that prayer that I've been trying to pray more and more and more? I am not in the habit of viewing my life as God is the hero of my story. I literally have been through the same cycles and continue to go through the same cycles where I try to be a somebody, try to do ministry, try to make a difference on my own. And then I recognize how massive failure, learn that I'm a nobody. That story is not going to amount to anything. God is the hero of my story. Now let's see what I can do by uniting my life with a power source. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I've come to the point where I really believe it. My story is a wasted story. Nothing eternal takes place if I do not experience union, where I press the power button, and it's with the power of God. So I throw down the thing that I have. Say, okay, God, here's what I can do. Please, do what only you can do. So I want us to stand. I want us to pray the front end of this prayer out loud. Would you stand right now? I want us to pray the front end of this prayer out loud, and I want us to pray the second paragraph of this prayer quietly to, your, to God, but in your own space, and you'll have to personalize it by filling out the blank. I don't know if you'll be able to do that right now. I don't know how God has been prodding you as he asks you, what do you have in your hand? What do you have that you can offer me? What is it that you can do? I don't know what small decision or small habits, small directions that you need to start putting into place, but I want us to pray this 
to see where God takes our story. Let's pray it. Ready? God, I give you the place in my life story that you truly deserve. It's all about you and not about me. You are the hero of my story, and I belong to you. Now, would you personalize the next paragraph? Pray that. Father God, you are so good. You have taken our broken stories and you have sent your son to redeem them. Lord Jesus, we thank you for promising to be with us, to walk with us, to be the hero of our story. Forgive me, Lord, for working through the same cycles Moses worked through, wasting so many years wasting so many decisions, thinking it's about me, thinking I'm a somebody, trying to make things great. Lord, I want to turn to you. I want to push that power button. I want to experience life. An eternal kind of life flowing into me, filling me up, spilling over touching another. God, there's layers and layers of hidden times that I want you to just pour into me to give me more life. You have given us each so much. Help us to decide on one thing offer you, to give ourselves to you, to do life with you, from you, to you, to honor you, bringing glory to your name in this place, in our homes, in our communities, in our marriages. Cause your life to create a movement supernatural. In Jesus' name.